This is the All About Cunard podcast with Gary Bembridge, the podcast that takes a look at all things about Cunard from a traveller's point of view. This fan podcast brings you the latest Cunard news, exclusive features, reviews and answers questions about Cunard and travelling on their magnificent ships. You can visit the site at www.allaboutcunard.com and sign up for the newsletter, Twitter and Facebook. But now, let's find out all about Cunard. Hi, and welcome to this, the third podcast, All About Cunard, the podcast that is all about Cunard from the perspective of passengers and fans. So it's not an official podcast by Cunard, it's something done by people with passion. It's a podcast if you're interested in cruising generally and in Cunard specifically. My name is Gary Bembridge. I also host the Tips for Travelers audio and video podcast. And so on this edition of All About Cunard, we're going to focus on the features section. And as I mentioned before, what I'm going to do with each of the podcasts is each week rotate around one area. So Last In the last podcast, we focused on news, the latest news, and what people are talking about online or in the media about Cunard. This podcast falls under the sort of umbrella of Cunard features and focus. So it features about past, present, future even ships, cruise reports, interviews, and an in-depth look at a specific Cunard topic. The other podcast will look at questions and answers, so either questions you've sent to me directly or you've asked for my opinion on things, uh, or future passengers are asking, uh, or things that I'm seeing asked a lot within uh, the message boards and so on. And you can email me or leave a comment on the blog if you have any questions or you want my perspective on something. And then the fourth uh, podcast in each of the rotations will be a video, something exclusive that I've made about uh, the tour of the ship, uh, the cabins, or, or some activity or other Cunard related. So that's basically how things work, of course based on feedback and based on what I find people uh, want more of or less of, we may shake that up a bit and, and see how it goes. But that's how we're going to do for now. So what are we going to feature on Cunard podcast this week? What I thought I would do is talk a little bit about why, for me, Cunard is the cruise line. What I see as being the things that make Cunard distinctive, it make it different and make it very special. I I am a, a complete Cunard uh, loyalist. I have traveled on other cruise lines, but I would always, always, always choose Cunard as the first choice. So I thought, I, I, I sat down and thought, well, what is it about Cunard that makes them so special in, in my mind? And what is it that uh, I, I think is about Cunard that is, is very different? So I think there's probably nine or ten things that I thought about uh, that really, really kind of capture the essence of Cunard and, and what, for me anyway, makes it different. And I'd love to hear uh, if you agree or disagree with any of these thoughts. I mean, the first point to note is, of course, that Cunard, although it has a very long, you know, 100 years or so history, dating right back to when they first started carrying mail across the Atlantic, Cunard is actually owned by Carnival. Carnival, of course, being the biggest cruise line company in the world and I guess Cunard, uh, Carnival and, and uh, Royal Caribbean kind of slug it out but Carnival is, is by far the most dominant so it's a big massive cruise corporation and they bought Cunard after a very checkered uh, history because after you know the collapse of the transatlantic business in the 1960s uh, 
when they had a couple of ships there, the Queen Elizabeth, uh, they had the Queen Mary, those were all kind of retired, sort of in 67, sold off, they launched uh, the, the QE2, but it really struggled for a long time, that whole business really struggled, it, it was sold by different people, had various different owners, and eventually Carnival uh, bought uh, Cunard, and for a very long time they just had the one ship, the QE2, before of course uh, launching the, the, the Queen Mary 2, and, and then finally the, the Queen Victoria and the Queen Elizabeth. So, so Within that massive, huge, big corporation, what I think is interesting, though, is Cunard is seen as a distinctive brand. It has its own managing director. It's not based out of Miami. It's based uh, out of Southampton. And it is run as a very much a, a separate and distinct brand. And they do try and retain some of that distinctiveness. Although, of course, I'm sure behind the scenes and a lot of the back office is very much part of the carnival kind of conglomeration and organization i'm sure back office uh, activity is, is is very you know kind of just corporate if you like but cunard is trying to uh, not really be seen as part of a big corporation it's trying to be seen as a very separate and distinctive brand and to really build on its on its history so i think it's very important though that although it's owned by a massive corporation and has all that kind of backing behind it and, and eventually the expertise the technology uh, the logistics, all the stuff that, that that's very important for running an efficient business. Uh, still at its heart, it is a distinctive brand. It's all about the brand and distinctiveness. And, 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 and how they retain that is what makes Cunard so special. And I'll talk about that in more detail. I think the second thing that makes Cunard so distinctive and different is that it's the only cruise line brand or business in the world that is still very much linked to the transatlantic crossing. Now, the transatlantic business and crossing was the 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 heart, if you like, of the of the cruise business, or in those days it was the the crossing business or the liner business. You know, moving people between Europe and the U.S., the New World, is just a fundamental part of what created uh, passenger ships in the first place. It was the real heart of the business. So, you have, of course, you had merchant ships, but the passenger ship business was all about the transatlantic crossing, helping people emigrate from Europe into the new world and, of course, bringing people from the new world in the U.S. back into Europe for, for business or pleasure or whatever. And it's the only only cruise line that has as a fundamental part of its daily business, although it's really its summer business, I guess, is that transatlantic link. So during the summer months, they, they basically use the Queen Mary 2 to move backwards and forwards between Southampton and New York, New York and Southampton. And, they, and, and every year it seems that that season gets longer, they add more crossings to it, and it's, it's just the fundamental part. It's the only one that is really linked to the history and the heart of what the passenger cruise business is, is like. And I think they that's kind of their icon, their flagship, and really what is really important, I think, to the whole heart of Cunard. And on the ships, they still link very much to that romance. You know, the imagery they use will be around the crossing. The only way to cross used to be their advertising slogan. But it's really the heart of the business is that link to the transatlantic. So if you think of, say, Carnival, and it's, 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 it's heart, if you like. It started in Miami, and it was all about traveling to the Caribbean and having fun in the Caribbean. For Cunard, it's about that transatlantic link, and they are the only one that have a scheduled transatlantic business. Of course, other cruise lines, when they reposition their ships between the Caribbean and into, say, Mediterranean summer, they obviously have a, a transatlantic element to it. It's also very important because they also make sure they have a ship that is designed for the transatlantic. So obviously the QE2, which is now in retirement in Dubai, was designed as a liner that crossed the Atlantic. 
and the Queen Mary II is designed as a liner to cross the Atlantic. And there is a real difference in design, both in terms of hull strength, in terms of shape, to manage the the North Atlantic, which is it can be extremely rough and, and really batters the ships. So normal cruise ships are much more designed for slightly more calmer setting, they're designed for cruising, whereas the liners, which is a very different design, a very distinctive design. So you will actually find, because it's a distinctive design, there are not many of them around. So the QE2 was a once-off, the Queen Mary 2 is a once-off. And as Cuna tries to build its business and, 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 and its share of cruising, both the Queen Victoria and the Queen Elizabeth are not liners. They are basically Vista-class type ships. So they, they're kind of the standard ship shape, if you like, that Carnival will use then kind of dressed and, and designed as a Cunard ship. But they're the only ones that have these very distinctive liners in. And I think that's really, really important. And for me, it makes Cunard very different. I think what, what becomes a risk with Cunard is if all their ships become cruise ships and they never have at least one or or maybe hopefully over time, two liners. So the distinctiveness of ships, You, if you were doing this podcast, some years ago, you would say they have distinctive ships because the Queen Elizabeth II and the Queen Mary II were one of a kind. They, No one else had ships like that. That's changed a little bit, but historically they've had distinctive ships. So that's the second point. I think the third point really is its heritage. You know, Cunard is inextricably linked to the UK and it's based in Southampton, although in reality now its ships are no longer registered in Southampton. They're registered in Hamilton in Bermuda to much controversy was you know a tax thing it's it's a business thing it's kind of driven by the corporation i guess but you know cunard's head office is in southampton in fact often when you dock you can see their offices uh, when you dock in southampton you can see their offices but it's still very much linked to the uk they make much of their uk-ness of course because of the crossings you know a big and uh, very important part of their business is the u.s passenger um but they're very linked to the UK. They would kind of really make a big deal about their their UKness. So whenever there's a big thing like the Queen's Jubilee, you would have a, that big ceremony in Southampton where all the three Cunard queens would be there. You'd have the red arrows, uh, you know, Royal Navy uh, or Royal Air Force display team, uh, the Queen herself, or a member of the royal family always names the ship. So there's this real sense of UKness, heritage, history, and that makes it very, very distinctive. Actually, there are a few other ships which have are linked to the UK. So for example, P&O, which is, is also actually now owned by Carnival. You know, its its history is from the UK. Saga, which is really designed for the, 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 the over 50s, over 60s market, that's kind of UK based. But you know, this is one that really seeps its heritage. So it's not just about UK based, it's about this UK historical royal connection, transatlantic heritage. And I think that's that for me is another thing that makes it very, very special, very different, very distinctive. The fourth thing, which which I guess is kind of linked to the, all of those, and you may summarize, to me, Cunard is still the icon of cruising. So when you think of cruising and you think of the icon, it's Cunard. And you don't think of, say, Carnival. Carnival is massive. It's huge. Uh, you know, Royal Caribbean is, is, is a very a very big line. Um, you know, Holland, America, which is also owned by Carnival, it's, it's an important line. But Cunard still, for me, is, is what passenger travel is about. It's the icon. You know, if you were to, to pick one that really captures the, that, I would say Cunard. People may disagree, but to me, it, it's, that, it, it's what, you know, you associate, the, you know, the, the history and the heritage and, and, and the romance of cruising with. So that would probably be my fourth point. I think the fifth point is, is you know, uh, although not everyone likes it, is 
Qnot is still um, uh, class-based. And, you know, the history of cruising, I mean, all know from seeing Titanic and stuff, you had first class and steerage and all that sort of stuff. And Qnot has still retained some of that. They, they have uh, Queen's Grill, they have Princess Grill, and they have Britannia Grill. And the analogy is a little bit like, you know, you have economy or coach, you have business or club, and you have first class. So Queen's Grill is your kind of first class on a plane. Your Princess Grill is sort of your club business. And Britannia Grill is sort of your, your, your coach. Now, of course, these are very... Uh, all of these are very lush and very plush, but it's interesting that they have still retained the sense of, of of class. Now, the way they do that, of course, is it's really designed on the type of cabin, the size of cabin, and where you eat. So, Princess Girl, for example, that is you have your own, the, you know, there's, there's its own Queen's Girl restaurant. So, if you're in a Queen's Girl cabin, you eat in that very specific restaurant. If you have a Princess Girl grade cabin, you eat in Princess Girl, and if you have a Britannia Girl cabin, you eat in Britannia Girl. And what's interesting also on 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 Cunard with the various different um, grades and, and ranks is this then massive massive spread of of class. So you can, if you take the Queen Mary two for example, you have the massive two level premium suite, which can cost up to thirty five thousand pounds, you know forty five thousand dollars to do a, a six, seven, eight day crossing, right down to say an inside Britannia grill, which you can do for a couple hundred dollars. So there's this massive spread uh, of availability. So they, they also kind of spread themselves across, you know, extremely wealthy people through to a very affordable, accessible. Uh, and, and the way they then cope with that on, the, on the, the ship is saying, okay, if you've paid a Queen's Grill fare, you have a bigger cabin, you have access to the Queen's Grill, a restaurant, you have a dedicated lounge, you have some dedicated uh, um, deck space. Princess Grill has access to, to basically all of that as well, actually. And the Britannia Grill, which is this very beautiful, it's huge, but on all the ships is this very beautiful two-level dining room, and it's absolutely stunning. In reality, a lot of the core uh, menu items, whether it's for dinner, lunch, whatever, are the same between those three restaurants. They then just have slightly bigger menus. But what's interesting is they have created the sense, or not created, they have retained the sense of class. Now, some people find it very offensive. Some people don't like it at all. But that's why people would not not choose Cunard. It's not that everything's segregated. But there's a sense of, of um, class and, and whatever. And I qu quite like that sense of they've retained the history. Now, in, originally, for example, as, as an aside, the Queen Elizabeth II anyone who's been on Elizabeth II will know it's quite a confusing ship to find your way around because no stairway goes right the way from the top to the bottom of the ship. So if you go on any other ship, including the Queen Mary II or the or Queen Elizabeth, Queen Victoria or any ship, you can normally get you know a stairwell which goes from deck 12 or whatever the, the top deck is right down to deck 1 or deck A or whatever. And the same with the elevators or lifts. Queen Elizabeth II wasn't like that because Queen Elizabeth II was originally sort of designed in mind to, to be much more class structured, where you would have parts of the ship which were more segregated. That's not true on Cunard anymore. Other than your dining area, everything else, of course, is open to everybody. So, you know, there's a little bit of retention of the history. There's a little retention of, of, of pampering and specialness if you go into Queen's Grill. So Queen's Grill is obviously popular with people who have the money to do it. Princess Grill uh, is often used as a really special treat, you know, 25th, 25th wedding anniversary or, or a special, you know, 40th, 50th, 60th birthday where people kind of will splash out on, on something a little bit more kind of 
special, if, if you like. And I do like that they've created that. No other ships will have their kind of owner's suite and that sort of stuff. But I do like the sense of they've created it. It is just different. It's it's ingrained. It's part of the history, and it does make it very very different. And they do, as as a result of that, have some massive, massive, massive cabins. So that's another thing that I, that I like about Kuhn. All makes them different to others is they still retain a sense of that that almost class system now i know people some people as i mentioned find it uh, wrong or offensive airlines it's part of the business they have coach club first so it's kind of retaining some of some of that or, or, or using some of that so that's the other point um, that i find very interesting and intriguing the other thing which is distinctive is they have this thing called the white star service now the white star service uh, they've had for over a century and it, it's named after the White Star Line which they actually acquired after the ramifications of the Titanic disaster which kind of decimated the White Star Line which had had the Titanic um, and it's really an approach to service so it's a training scheme that that all their their, their crew go through particularly those public facing crew and it's around about how they deal with the public how they interact um, the only time you actually see them, you know, they wear, actually, like when they do often tea, they wear white gloves and stuff. But it's a whole ethos and, and style and approach to, to training. And it is quite highly rated and valued by the company. And they do encourage and reward their staff for delivery. So on every cruise, you'll get um, a chance to nominate people who you feel have really given <coughs> good white style service. And the crew, I know for them, it's very important because it does, I, I'm guessing, affect their bonus, but it certainly affects their career. But they have this whole, again, it's linked to the to the, the past and the history, this white style service is kind of a history of, of service and approach. The other thing that I think is interesting about Kuno is their de- decor and style. What they do again, consistent with the brand, is they, they try and link themselves to the glamour of travel and heritage. They actually, in reality, link themselves to the, the, the sort of the heyday of the 30s and the, and the art deco of the 30s. So, you know, many cruise ships, particularly more the fun ships, will be more inspired, you could argue, by the brightness, the boldness, the, 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 the loudness of Las Vegas. So they're very bright and bold and almost brash and, 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 and exciting. Whereas Cunard is more subdued. It's more 1930s Art Deco. It's less glitzy. There's much more use of brown. There's much more use of beige. There's much more use of gold. There's much more use of wood effect. Because, of course, on ships you can't have wood now because of the fire uh, uh, thing. But it's, it's a much more sort of sedate, but it's kind of a 30s thing. And what's interesting... I mean, the, the, the Queen Mary 2 does it very beautifully and they have very beautiful touches like big kind of panels and things. The Queen Victoria was interesting, which came after the, the Queen Mary 2. That probably is less, in my view, is, is, is the less special of the decor. But they kind of got it right with the Queen Elizabeth. And, and talking to the crew, I think the viewers, they're learning all the time about how do they evolve this. But the whole decor and style is, is, is linked to the heritage. It, it, it feels almost like old-fashioned. What's very bizarre, you know, people will look at the ship and say, you know, come on, guys, this ship looks like any other ship. It just happens to be painted the you know, colors. Once you're inside, though, the layout and the structure does feel feel very different and the look. And what they also do is they then have, and this harps right back to the heritage, they have some very distinctive kind of uh, rooms and, and, and things linked to the past. And so these were kind of things that were found on, 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 on all the old ships going way, way back. So you have things like the Queen's Room, which is the ballroom, which has been on the many ships. You have the veranda uh, restaurant, which used to be on the Queen Mary and the Queen Elizabeth. They're now re, 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 uh, recreating. You have, um, you, you know,
know, like the the, the garden rooms, and so so there's there's things that have been the chart room is another one example. So there's kind of these rooms that have been around on the ship for forever. Uh, in fact, even the name Britannia, Britannia Restaurant, has been around forever. Queen's Grill has been around for a very long time. So there was always this the sense of the, the, the on all the ships they have these kind of iconic rooms uh, and and features which have always been on the ship. Uh, and even if you go and visit the Queen Mary in Long Beach, or you go and visit the the, the Queen Elizabeth now, you'll find these iconic rooms uh, with still the same the look and feel. And and I find that really really interesting uh, and and very special. And of course, they're evolving all the time. So those for me are are probably about nine or ten things that that for me are very special about Cunard. Make them very different. If you have if you disagree, you have a point of view, you have things that you think I should add to that list. I'd love to hear from you. I will write a, a show notes and blog post sort of summarizing these things. But please email me, leave a quote, or a comment on the on iTunes on the podcast. It'd be great. Don't forget you can visit the site at www.allaboutcunard.com. You can find how you can join the Facebook group there, sign up for the newsletter, uh, and uh, get links to sign up for the podcast. Hope you enjoyed this. Um, next uh, podcast will be a Q&A podcast. And until then, have a great cruise and an even better cruise if it's on Cunard. That was the All About Cunard podcast, the podcast that looks at all things Cunard from a traveler's point of view. Please visit our site at www.allaboutcunard.com where you can sign up for a newsletter, Twitter and our Facebook page. Until next time, happy Cunard travelling.